This is Ballot Box, the pointer's look at the issues on the ballot in Peel, in Niagara, at Queen's Park, and in Ottawa. Now, your host, Joel Whitnable. The housing affordability crisis is impacting thousands of families here in the region of Peel. The region estimates there are 91,000 households in core housing need, and they are currently only able to assist 19% of them. This means there are thousands of people, including young children, living in precarious housing situations at risk of losing the roof from over their heads, just as the cold months of winter loom on the horizon. To talk about measures to push back against this affordability question with me today is Mississauga Councillor Alvin Tejo. Uh, Councillor, thanks so much for joining me to talk about this at such a pressing time. Oh, happy to, Joel. It's, uh, I think, the most important issue that we're facing as a municipality right now, and we need all hands on deck to face this crisis. And it really is a crisis. And I don't think people fully understand that uh, if you don't have housing, if you don't have shelter, you don't have anything. Your hierarchy of needs starts with the roof over your head, and then everything else stems from that. So we're really in the depths of it, and we need to be doing as much as we can to address it. I want to start with the the motion for for fourplexes and, and allowing those in Mississauga. You know, I think a lot of people were were tuned into that. Obviously, your your motion got you know national attention. It seemed as being sort of a creative solution to this question of how we get the type of housing that cities need in order to start to address this affordability question. And it was a bit of a a roller coaster with this motion. Obviously, council or Mississauga Council first voting it down. And then late last week, we have Mississauga Mayor Bonnie Crombie using her strong mayor powers to push it through. But I kind of want to take it back to to before and, and kind of get your your thoughts on where this idea came from, because you were the one who initially brought it forward. Obviously, we have the mayor pushing it through now after council sort of voted it down. But can you give me a little bit of background on there and why why you think this could be one of these potential solutions? Yeah, absolutely, Joel. And and you know what? The city of Mississauga isn't new to this. We've been, as a city, talking about this for almost a decade in terms of what we call the missing middle, right? So we've got 71% of the city of Mississauga being single family homes, detached dwellings on properties where there's only one home allowed. 71%. That's an incredible amount. Everything else is mainly condos, towers in the sky. So now you have this huge sort of polar opposite type of housing. And what you need are more sort of gentle density solutions that bridge the middle, that give people more options, more semi-detached, more triplexes, more townhouses, uh, more three, four-story buildings with multiple units inside them. And the city's been looking at these options for a long time. And the province, you know, pushed all municipalities in Ontario to adopt three plexes as of right. Now, I think that was a good thing because I think that accelerated a lot of the work in terms of the types of homes that could be converted, the lot sizes, whether or not they had the appropriate servicing, are they close to transit, do they have access to schools, things like that. Those things are important factors to consider. The city's own analysis showed that in order to be more profitable or financially sustainable for a homeowner of a single family home to convert into multi-units, it's actually much more beneficial to get to four than it is three. The road to recouping your costs uh, is much faster 
And actually, some of the work is simpler because you can kind of split your house into a semi and then go top and bottom. And then suddenly you've got four. Obviously, there are other ways to do it. You could have garden suites. You could have garage conversions. You could have basements. You can build additions. But there's a lot of examples out there where fourplexes really work. And so I was curious to see staff come back earlier this year and not recommend fourplexes, but have that data in the report, the more housing choices report for the city, that fourplexes were actually could actually make a lot more sense. So I asked them back in the spring to bring it back and say, can we reevaluate this? I know you're doing a lot of work in terms of how we're going to allow threeplexes as of right because of the provincial legislation, but I think we need to revisit four. So this wasn't, you know, out of the blue. The the city's been working on it and they've already done the research. So I wanted to take a hard look at it again and then to bring it up because we had a moment this fall where, you know, I'm glad the federal government has stepped up and decided they wanted to get in the housing game again. And they have a housing accelerator fund. And in the accelerator fund, there's $4 billion at stake across Canada, which is a limited amount of money that will be consumed by the cities who are most eager to get on top of the housing game and show that they're, they're trying to do everything they can. So that was an opportunity for Mississauga to step up and say, hey, we're willing to do this. We want to do this. We're trying to build more housing. We understand the crisis is at hand. This is a solution we know you're looking for, and we have the solution for that, and we're going to do that to the city. So that's why I pushed the motion when I did. And you know, the minister responded to that very quickly and, and said, this is the type of housing choices we want municipalities to jump on. And you know, if successful uh, or if implemented, you know, I think we were expecting around $120 million for the city of Mississauga to build more housing, more affordable housing. So, you know, that was a huge positive. And so I thought my, I was hoping my council colleagues would see that and, and not be uh, deterred with other arguments that some people will, will make. But unfortunately, we ended up in a tie vote. But the mayor, even though she's on a leave of absence, had indicated before she left that she was supportive of my motion. Uh, and I'm glad that she stepped up uh, last week in order to uh, to allow it to happen. And what's sort of the next step here, uh, Councillor, in terms of your sense of Mississauga's readiness to move forward with these types of units or really any sort of this missing middle housing that we talk about? Do you know, you know, Brampton, we had the announcement last week, they're getting, I think, I think it's 114 million through the housing accelerator fund. And that was from an application that they had already submitted. Do you have a sense of where Mississauga is at? Have they submitted an application? Is it already sort of in the pipeline? And now we're kind of waiting on the federal government? Or will the city now, you know, with this sort of new step that signals this big willingness to attack this housing crisis? Now is our new application going forward? Or where where does that stand right now? Yeah, I mean, so it's a bit technical, but I'm happy to walk you through it. So uh, we did apply as a city to the Housing Accelerator Fund months ago when uh, the minister announced it. The minister responded with a letter really the day before my motion got tabled to sort of say, we've got your letter. It sounds good. You're missing a few things. Four plexes, we'd like to see that included. We'd like to see you know, four stories as of right on major transit corridors. We'd like to see some sort of strategy around student housing for your post-secondary institutions. And that's why, you know, my motion was actually timed very well to get there. Now, after the motion was defeated a couple of weeks ago, the minister immediately tweeted, you know, how disappointed he was at the outcome, which, you know, I'm glad to see the federal government's paying attention to what we're doing uh, and that we're trying to do the right thing. And then issued a formal letter back to the city saying, unless my amendments to our application are accepted, 
and the application is adjusted to include fourplexes, we're not going to get the funding. So that's when the mayor then provided her directive as a strong mayor to direct staff to amend our application to include fourplexes and the other pieces that the minister is asking for in order to receive the funding. So that's where we are right now. Our application is getting amended by staff. That'll be submitted back to the federal ministry, and then they will decide if it warrants our funding. And I would expect that it does. I think this is a good news story for the federal government as well, that they're you know stepping up and helping uh, you know the seventh largest municipality in Canada build more housing. So I think this is a win-win for everyone. And so I guess now there's just a lot of fingers and toes at City Hall crossed waiting for that uh, announcement to come down. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure when the timing is going to be, but we wanted to get the changes in quickly so that we didn't lose out on the opportunity for funding. Because as the minister has stated, once the funding is gone, it's gone. And then we'd have to wait for another round or another government or whatever it is before uh, before we'd have access to that. Councillor, obviously this motion and this step by Mississauga turned out in in what I believe would be the favor of Mississauga residents, you know, allowing this to move forward and, and potentially getting different housing options built will, will certainly go a ways towards addressing this affordability crisis. But I don't know, it's obviously only one piece of the puzzle that needs to sort of form to really kind of address all of these lingering issues. And I just wonder... You know, I think back to the disappointment in the community after that motion initially got voted down. And I, I wonder what, in your opinion, that means from your fellow counselors. Does it show something like what the advocates have been saying, that there may be a little bit of a sort of out of touch with what's happening at, from, from the council level? Is it that there's an urgency among the community, there's advocates who are out there seeing it on a daily basis, as you said at the start of the podcast, you know, housing is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this hierarchy of needs. If you don't have housing, there's all of these other issues that come from that. And so you have all of these advocates in the community, workers in the community that are seeing this firsthand. And you have this motion from yourself, a very progressive step to try and address this on the front line. And then you have a majority of council vote it down. And I just wonder what your sense of that was and whether does it signal that there could be sort of a disconnect between those at City Hall and, and those in the community? Yeah, I see your point, Joel. And, and I mean, just to clarify on the vote, it, it was a tie. <laughs> so it wasn't necessarily, it just, it didn't have the support to pass because we needed a majority to pass. Um, so, you know, we're moving, I think, in the right direction on that front. The curious thing, and I think the thing that's interesting about, you know, municipal politics, especially on the housing file, is that, you know, the people who vote us in, are people who live here already, right? And are established and are voters and are taxpayers and ratepayers and and they have a vested interest in in how the city is developed and moves forward. The housing crisis while addresses and deals with many people who do live in the city is there as a solution or is there to tackle a problem that is obviously less entrenched in the establishment of the city, right? There, we're talking about young people, we're talking about new Canadians, new immigrants, refugees. We're talking about a group of peoples who don't have the same amount of agency. You know, I don't fault other counselors for for raising the same concerns that many existing residents have and sort of voicing those opinions, right? I mean, that's who they were elected to serve and represent. So I, I understand it from that perspective, 
But as soon as you sort of take a next step and look to the future or look to the next generation, you know, the people who live in my neighborhood are almost all in single family homes. And over the last two census reports have had declining populations because the housing in my neighborhood is increasingly more unaffordable and you have more empty nesters because their kids can't manage to own property in the neighborhood, right? So when you start looking at the next step, like what happens after the people who are here right now, how are they going to be housed? How are the people who work and live here in the city? And we have lots of people who want to live here. Where are they going to go? Where is the next generation going to go? The students who go to our schools, they can't stay here. And they're, they end up staying in you know, illegal rooming houses that are unsafe and prone to health and safety issues. So you know, when you start thinking about addressing the problem for the broader public and the sort of provincial and national challenges we have with the amount of people who are here and the and the dwindling housing choices. Well, then I think you're looking at, well, it's obvious that we do need more housing options. But you have to reconcile that with the fact that people already do live here and you need to bring them along, right? And I think if we're able to better communicate how this will be beneficial for the city, how this will be beneficial for taxpayers, ratepayers. If we increase the base, obviously we can, you know, increase services or we can lower taxes or we can do a whole bunch of things. We'll have more resources to build more bike lanes and, and add more transit and fill our schools. I mean, the schools in my neighborhood are half empty because we don't have the people. But, you know, there's this fear of so much change happening at once. And I think that's where we have an opportunity to educate not just other counselors, but residents around what threeplexes and fourplexes and multi-units could actually look like because there are lots of examples around North America, around the world, in Canada, where they're really well integrated into the community, right? Fourplexes aren't as scary as some are making it out to be. You can take an existing place and subdivide it further. I mean, my parents, I grew up in Mississauga. My parents still live here. There are two people in a very large house on a very large property. They don't need all that space. There's lots of seniors who I've talked to who said they would love to downsize but stay in the neighborhood, but there aren't any options for them. If they could split their lot, if they could split their house and and have rental income, that would be ideal. And I think when we're talking about affordability, you have more renters in fourplexes because that's what you end up seeing is you end up seeing individual homeowners instead of, you know, large developers working to add more housing stock, more units that aren't being sold as a condo, but actually being rented out, right? And so that's where you get more affordability. And the easier you make this for people, the more likely you're going to have it happen. So I'm hoping that uh, other examples that other cities have been able to demonstrate already will make it easier for council in the future to see that this isn't so scary and that we can bring along the rest of the residents in the city as well while we do it. Yeah, Councilor, I think, you know, one of the things that is is very clear from from what you just said is that this is such a incredibly complex issue that not only involves urban planning and consultation with the existing community and thinking about the the growth that is coming to the community, but also involves, you know, trying to to unpack a lot of these social issues that can impact, you know, this this need for affordable housing. And and it's it's an incredibly difficult thing to do at the best of times with what's happening in Peel right now with this looming dissolution and what that means. I just, I can't see how 
you know, moving forward closer to 2025, you know, with obviously the housing file when it comes to affordable housing being managed by the region of Peel, how we do not see some significant impacts to the services that are being provided to residents because of, well, we, we really don't even know what's going to happen with the housing file yet, right? Like, it, is it going to be divided between Brampton, Mississauga, Caledon? Is it going to remain its own entity and and still serve the same, it do the same thing it does now, but just doesn't have the attachment of the upper tier government? I just say that to to try to get your sense. Is there a concern going forward, you know, looming into 2025 when the region will be dissolved that when it comes to the broader question of affordable housing not just you know these longer term solutions that you're proposing with the fourplexes and things but obviously everything else that needs to be done that you know we could you know maybe face a big hurdle there to get some of this stuff really addressed in a time that we maybe need to address it more than ever you know we absolutely need to address it more than ever Joel and you're 100% right and you know housing advocates have the right to be worried about what's going to happen. But, you know, every indication that we've given as a regional council, the provincial government is that we don't want to see any disruption in service. Peel Housing Corporation does a great job. They need more resources. They need significantly more resources from other orders of government, including our own, to provide and build and deliver the affordable housing, subsidized housing, the different tiers of service that is absolutely required from emergency housing to um, to subsidies in the region. And we don't want to see any of that be interrupted because of dissolution or because of anything else. We see this as an opportunity. I see this as an opportunity to not start fresh, but to build on success and to create a better model that is going to be more beneficial, right? How do we get the expertise and the resources in the city of Mississauga completely focused on building more affordable housing. No, I think you raise a good point. You know, looking at it that way in terms of an opportunity, the pointer has done a lot of reporting that has been critical of the regional appeals handling of the affordable housing file. We know that the the home for all plan, which was this ambitious document to really address this crisis really fell flat and was a failure. And now there has been over the last couple of years, a, a change in direction to really start putting some money into this, which is so good to see. But you're right that if it comes down to the local level, it, it could eliminate maybe, you know, some of the barriers that have existed before and, and really kind of let it really be directed from the ground level, so to speak, at, you know, with the city of Mississauga. Uh, but I want to I want to ask you, Councillor, you know, going into Thursday's meeting, um, you know, I, I at the region, I know that there are several reports uh, three or four dealing with affordable housing, homelessness, and and ways to try and address this crisis that the region is facing right now, not just from an affordability perspective, but with its own shelter system, and its emergency shelter system, obviously a very pressing question with, with winter right around the corner. And I just wonder, I want to ask you first about this, this sort of, it's, maybe it is one of these middle ground solutions, which were, was proposed earlier this year, to have the region pursue what's called modular housing. And I just wanted to get your opinion on the report that's on Thursday's agenda that's you know recommending that council not move forward with these sort of temporary modular homes, but pursue maybe a more long-term solution that would have these you know modular units, more like trailers connected to the, the plumbing and the wastewater systems of the region that could provide maybe a longer-term solution for residents. But I know that you are a part of bringing that forward. I wanted to ask what your thoughts were on that report and that recommendation. 
Yeah, Councillor Hornick and I were the ones who brought that uh, motion forward to the region to explore modular housing. And uh, I was happy to do that because Councillor Hornick and I had attended a couple of conferences where we saw these modular housing units as a solution to the homeless crisis. The region appeal still has our no turn away policy which is a difficult one to maintain. I think it's the right one, but we don't turn anybody away who needs shelter. And that's a problem with the amount of demand that we've had where we've been oversubscribed, I think 200, 300 times, 300% over what we normally have and have filled up hotel rooms that we no longer have access to. And so we were looking at this as a, as a, as a temporary solution uh, and other municipalities have done so as well. So this, I think, is a good example where we can follow the lead that other municipalities have gone through first on and 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 showed some learnings, which is why we asked the region to look into this for, for us. It was a sort of quick, not super expensive proposal, but we also wanted the experts to take a look at it. So our housing folks have done a great job, and I've read the report, and I understand what they're trying to say in terms of you know, we need more options. We want more long-term solutions. They're not necessarily opposed to uh, temporary modular housing, but it's maybe not their first solution. I want to say yes to everything, right? I want us to really double down on how much do we actually need to spend to invest to, to help solve this problem? Because as we keep saying, this is a crisis. So let's build the long-term solutions. Let's also continue looking at the short-term ones because I'm not ready to to throw out some of these other options if we can do it quickly and it can still address part of the problem. We need multiple solutions to this, right? We can't just take one shot at it. So I'm okay with the report. I'm, I'm looking forward to the discussion that we'll have and and to see uh, what else other people think. But, you know, module homes could continue to be part of the solution, but I think we should also be looking at the long-term solutions as well. The holistic approach that you're describing is so, you know, desperately needed. You know, you think about the reports that are on Thursday's agenda detail so much of what's happening and what the region appeal staff are dealing with, you know, not to mention, obviously, the, you know, the fact that the job security is a big question as the, you know, dissolution with 2025 looming over them, but they're still continuing to put in this sort of Herculean effort to keep the shelter system operating and it's operating at 270% capacity. And, you know, there are a bunch of measures proposed to, to really help as we go into to winter to sort of increase shelter space by finding an additional space for, for more residents, dealing with the increase in asylum seekers that the region is seeing, and then obviously boosting the budget for overflow spaces because, you know, operating at 270% capacity. And as you said, Councillor, the, the region has that obviously very critical no turn away policy, which I agree that is the right thing to do. Uh, but it's also now costing the region in 2024 an estimated $42 million when you look at the hotel contracts, the catering and the security that's required. And that is a staggering increase from just about $2 million in 2019. So 20 fold increase over four years, which is just mind boggling. And so I, I ask you, counselor, obviously you said, you know, we need these long-term solutions, but is what the region is proposing right now, is it enough? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you said the way the housing need is over 90,000, even with the recommendations that staff are putting forward, if we were able to implement everything, it's still not enough. We can do as much as we can do as a municipal government. We need more. We need all hands on deck. 
we need more from other levels, other orders of government to, uh, to help us with this crisis. We can do more and we will do more. And I'm pushing to do as much as we can, but it's still not going to be enough. That's the honest answer. That's how dire the situation currently is. The, the need is continuing to grow, right? So we're trying to stem the tide and trying to solve the backlog and the challenges that people have right now while it continues to grow. So we're not there yet. You know, and I appreciate, you know, your honesty. It really does put municipalities in a bind because obviously, as you well know, with limited revenue generating options, you know, when you have a crisis like this, that, you know, I believe the measures that the the region is proposing right now, they're saying it will be able to help between 300 and 400 households. And so when you think about that 91,000 number, it's obviously better than helping none, but there's still thousands and thousands that need additional assistance. There's no way that the municipality can do this on its own. As we go into Thursday's meeting, I, I am looking forward to to what the councillors and the, what the staff have proposed and whether, you know, what discussion comes out of it. But thank you, Councillor Tejo, for being here today to talk about this important issue. I don't know if you have any final thoughts before I sign us off here. No, it was my pleasure, Joel. And, you know, the region does appropriately have a housing first policy. We need to back that up with more resources that we can do as a municipality so that we can say that we've done everything that we can before we go hat in hand to other orders of government. These are real people. These are our neighbors. These are our friends. These are our family. These are people who are coming to this country in times of crisis, fleeing violence, fleeing persecution. These are our our kids who are growing up who need a place to live. These are the economic drivers of our province and our city. We need to take care of them and we need to be able to provide the basics. And this is a crisis like we haven't seen before. And that requires more action than we've seen before as well. So I hope that that will come through and I hope people will rise up and seize the opportunity. But as we've seen in you know the votes that we've had over the last several weeks, we still have a lot of work to do on that front. So thank you for the opportunity to talk about this further so that I think uh, it's another step to getting us closer to get there. I agree. And uh, thank you, Councillor, for pointing out the human angle of this story as well. I think at times it's easy to get lost in the numbers in terms of percentage over capacity, the number of families on the waiting list or dollar figures that are needed. But I think that that human toll that, you know, the amount of of suffering that can exist within that 91,000 number is kind of hard to to fathom. And I think that that really speaks to the the dire need to really address this. So Ms. Suck Counselor Alvin Tejo, thank you again for being here. To all of you listening, thanks so much for giving us your valuable time and listening to and educating yourself on this very important issue. I hope you will return next week for another episode of Ballot Box. Ballot Box was hosted by Joel Whitnable, produced by yours truly. Join us next week for the Pointer's ongoing coverage of the issues on the ballot. I'm Jeff Chalmers. Thank you for listening. See you next time.